Everything you're about to hear on this podcast is completely improvised. The film title and director's names are kept secret from our guests and team until the moment that we hit record. They're about to work together to create a film that will undoubtedly be a box office smash hit. So grab your popcorn and pop that phone on vibrate. Welcome to this week's episode of the Improvised Movie Director Podcast. Kensington Gorset, an average director directs. A good director leads and follows at the same time. It is a huge responsibility to both lead and to follow. As anyone who has ever been doing the conga at the moment it splits, finding themselves an unlikely leader where you were once a follower will well know. Today's director is one who always leads and who I would gladly follow. I'm of course joined today by Meredith Mountain, director of Who Framed Peter Rabbit. Welcome, Meredith. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This is it's an absolute delight. delight. Oh, oh, there we are, one. Would you believe it, Meredith? I've wanted to meet you for so long and you have already surpassed my expectations. Oh, thank you. I think I think we're two peas in a pod. Look at it. No. Oh. Meredith, yes. Who framed Peter Rabbit? My goodness, what a piece of art! I know. Thank you. I mean, I really did bump the lamp with this one. Uh, I really am just—it is the apex of my career. Um, Mixing animation with real life, bringing sort of childish old English joy to the sort of gritty streets of New York and Chicago. Absolutely. It got me excited and nostalgic in an unusual blend. Yes. And that's exactly what I go for. Completely. Completely. You know, my favourite day was the costuming. I think so much is decided in the costume department. And I remember um, our wonderful costume director, um, Dennis Diamonds, coming to me and he says I have this wonderful look for Peter Rabbit so he's got his little blue cardigan on of course but he also had a fedora and I thought that's it that's it that's logo that's that's where we're going with oh Dennis Dennis is such a diamond he really is I know there's a rivalry between Dennis Diamonds and Cyril Sequins and I don't want to pick a side but Mm. I think Dennis is really something quite special yes and and Peter Rabbit in his little cardigan his little hat what a delight. What a delight. Absolute delight. But also packs a punch. Yes. You yes. know? You don't want to get on the wrong side of that Peter Rabbit, you know? He he will stuff carrots where the sun don't shine. Oh my. Oh my. Well, of course, Meredith, I'm a huge fan of your work, and I watched the film the minute it was released. However, for our listeners who may not have already seen it, tell us what happens in Who Framed Peter Rabbit? So it's uh it's It's a classic cloak and dagger murder mystery type story. Peter Rabbit's doing his own thing and he finds out that his uh, twin brother who had moved to the Americas uh, many years before is imprisoned for for a murder he didn't commit. And so he leaves the farm, Uh, Puddle Duck uh, comes with him 
and she sort of becomes the femme fatale to be honest which is what a lot of people didn't expect so they go and it turns out that she maybe has a few more tricks up her sleeve than peter rabbit suspected and of course patsy patrick rabbit the one that's in jail is counting on them to unravel this terrible terrible murder of Sally Starfish, who is a big mob boss in Chicago, and the hit's out. There's a lot of revenge, so it's against the clock. It's so tense, isn't it? It really is, and there was so much backstory in that opening sequence. We find out, we find out Peter's got this twin brother. I didn't know that before. Patsy Patrick Rabbit, exciting character. I loved having a Sally Starfish. You never see a female fish as a mob boss, do you? It's never happened before. And I thought, my goodness, that's really quite cutting edge. So that opening sequence, we get a lot of exposition, but we also get a real insight into Peter Rabbit's character. And it's not all fluffy cottontails, is it? He's quite the cat. Yes, he, uh, he sort of changes a bit when he's off the farm. It brings out something dark inside him, an edge, an edge that we've not seen with Peter Rabbit. Yes, yes, an edgy rabbit. I'm into that. An edgy Peter Rabbit squaring up to the mob boss, Sally Salvadorina Starfish. Yeah, I mean, that's gripping. It it is gripping. It is gripping. You've really tested the edge of cinematic endeavour there, and I, I really appreciated it. So let's cut to that opening sequence. It's it's fiery, it's feisty. We get all of those characters in there. We've got Jemima Puddle Duck showing off her curves and her edges in a way we have never seen before. Oh, no. That bonnet is slipping, for sure. Oh, yes. She ruffles quite a few mm. feathers, that duck mm-hmm. does. So let's cut to that opening sequence. It's all go. Peter, I've got a letter from your brother in Chicago here. I'm just going to ruffle my feathers back into a more pleasant arrangement. I say, Jemima, it's time you stopped your coquettishness and handed over this correspondence. Oh, are you getting angry? Yes. You're going to do something with your fluffy tail? Or would you rather have some of my fluffy tail? Mm. You shameless tease, Jemima. Please, paste your bonnet back on immediately. My God, my brother, Patsy, he's been imprisoned for a crime he didn't commit. Jemima, I have to go to New York immediately. I suppose I ought to invite you. Yeah, you better. I'm not staying here. I'll put on my traveling bonnet. Oh, I was going to say, I I suppose I ought to invite you to stay here. But since you've already got the bonnet on, there are three rules as traveling with Peter Rabbit. Number one, you take the sidecar. Number two, no falling in love with me. And number three... If anybody asks, named McGregor, you haven't seen me for 15 years. Well, I've got three rules of my own. Number one, I don't take no guff from no one. Number two, I always sleep with everyone's brother. And number three, if you cross me, I'll stab you in the back. My God, she's all breasts and thigh, that duck. I didn't know where to look. I know, I know. She's saucy with a helping of plum, that one. Absolutely. And I love that she matches Peter's energy. You know, I'm so sick of seeing a woman in a sidecar without an opinion. And here we've got Jemima Puddle Duck laying down the rules. She is going to sleep with his brother, and I can't wait for it. Oh, yes. She doesn't take no guff from anybody, and I'm here for that. I know. And uh, if he crosses her, she'll stab him in the back. 
I think this is a woman who knows what she wants and she's not afraid to ask for it. Yes, in many ways, you know, it's an ensemble that's, even though Peter Rabbit's the title character, it's just as much about Jemima in this film. I really wanted to make sure those two roles, as you say, matched energy, matched screen time, really giving a kick in the Oscar pants. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So we see them leaving the English countryside, we see them set off on their journey, and then they arrive in the hustle and bustle of New York, and, well, it's quite overwhelming for them, really. They are a, a duck and a rabbit, after all. Yes, yes, and tough as they are, they meet quite a lot of um, wise-cracking, hard-hitting street-type characters. You know, there's Percy Pigeon, he takes no shit off no one. Uh, very New York, but of course the the real gatekeeper. He, for all they kind of don't get on at first, it's it's because of him they find their first clues. Really. Yes, yes. Yeah. I loved Percy Pigeon. Now talk me through the casting. How did you decide who to cast as Percy Pigeon? Oh well, you know, Ray Fiennes was an obvious choice. I mean, we go way, way back, way, way back, and he's he's always been on board. So I think at one point in his younger days. He fancied himself as Peter Rabbit, but as he's grown, I think he started to realise the smaller character parts are really where the fun as an actor lies. He did have to work with a dialect coach for a while, you know, to get that sort of New Yorker grit, but I think he took on the challenge really well. And as you know, Rafe and I, we also go way back and we've also gone all the way. <gasps> and he's often said to me when we've been entwined after an evening, he said, that's the part I want. Percy Pigeon. You know, there's no bad blood between us, and I'm delighted for him that he's finally got his dreams. Oh, yes. He is very, very dedicated actor. Let's cut to the scene now where Percy Pigeon meets Jemima and Peter Rabbit for the first time and gives him a little schooling on what it's like to be a detective in New York. Oh, yeah. You're not in Kent anymore, Peter. No, no. <laughs> oh, I love this scene. So, you think just because you come from Somerset or somewhere like that, you got the hop for the big city? Well, let me tell you right now, this city will kick you in the patella quicker than they'll take your money and give it to the nearest urchin sooner than give you a break. I mean, what do you think, you're some kind of hard-boiled egg? Look at this brunch you got right here. Jeez. Hands off, Jemima Puddleduck. You're not my brother, therefore she's under no ethical compunction to spend any more time with you than necessary. Mr. Pigeon, was it? Oh, I'll admit that I find this large city in which you cannot see the sun from the ground, in which there is very, very little signage, and in which you can walk for a solid hour in the right direction and still not be where you want to be. Rather unsettling, but I, I, I would rather die than take directions from a filthy street bird such as yourself. Come on, Jemima, we'll leave. Goodbye, you dirty bird. Jemima, please, don't... Do you have to do that with every guy? And they spurn the pigeon. Uh, yeah. And they think they can solve this without him, but they can't. They really can't. So, they've arrived, they're in New York, they're struggling. What happens next? Well, this is where they decide they will take one of... The tips from Percy Pigeon, which is if they're going to have a little drinky, they've got to go to Steve's Speakeasy, Steve the Spider Speakeasy, 
and they find it by going into the library and picking out uh, Sherlock Holmes' novel. And of course, behind that is the doorbell to the speakeasy. And that is where you find some of the grimmest characters. And of course, we meet McGregor Moe. Oh, it was very exciting. Yes, Peter's old rival. Don't talk to me about rivals. My rival, Rowena Rowe, I'd push her through a bookshelf any day, believe me, and she won't be speaking easy when my fist is in her face. No, no. So I, I'm here for the rivalry. I, I know it. I know what that feels like. Yes. I mean, I was at boarding school with Rowena Rowe, so I know exactly what you're talking about. That bitch smacked me with more netballs than I care to mention, and I'd give her a jolly hockey stick or two. Meredith, I knew from the moment we met we were meant to be friends, but now I feel it's a moral imperative. Let's take down that bitch, Rowena Rowe. Get your hockey stick and we'll go bash her in the patella. After the interview, of course. After the interview, of course. Um, and I will probably need a gin and tonic. Absolutely. But then, yes. Sunday. Sunday works for me. Oh, yes, me too. We could do it after Pilates. Oh, what a day. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, mm. back to the film. So, they enter Steve's speakeasy. They meet Steve the spider and all manner of interesting animals in there. It was really it was really a hotbed of interesting characters in Steve's speakeasy. Oh. Clive the crocodile, what a snappy chap he was. And they're all after one thing. Jemima Puddle Duck. Mm. Here, just behind this book. Do you see Arthur Conan Doyle's The Spider of Four? But shouldn't it be the sign? You're right, Jemima. Come with me into a world of the seedy underground of the New York City. And when I say seedy, I don't just mean birdseed. Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to Steve the Spider Speakeasy. I'm Steve the Spider. You take a seat, you get a drink, you pays us money, it takes your chance. What have I been brewing in the bathtub while I've been stuck in there trying to climb down the plug hole? Better you don't ask for insurance reasons, okay? Look, what can I fix for you? A dirty Wendy? A New York yellow cab? A Rockefeller? You want a Rockefeller? Hey, wow. Uh, never mind the Rockefellers. You look like a rocker day, madam. How are you today? You just keep all eight of your hands to yourselves. Well, if you insist, but I gotta tell you, I'm very fast when I'm startled. A lot of men have that problem. Sure. Hey, why don't you take a seat over there next to Clyde? Uh, of course. Look in the corner. Do you recognize him? The flat cap, the zoot suit. It could only be McGregor Moe. I knew he was tangled up in this horrible business. He's coming from the mud of the farm all the way to the mud of New York City. Precisely. He's a mud-based villain, and I have no more time for him. We need to get out of here before he spots... Well, well, well. If it ain't me old friends, a rabbit and a duck, you wouldn't think these two could have an impact on one man's entire fucking farm business, but... Here we are. Are you here to scupper my economic ventures in New York as well, Peter? Uh, no, Mr. Moe. I, 
truth be told, I had no idea you were here. We were just looking for a quiet drink. A quiet drink. If you wanted a quiet drink, you'd have kept your thieving little mouth out of my carrot field, wouldn't you, Mr. Rabbit? I say, these accusations are beyond the pale. Right, will you just watch your fluffy little behind? New York's a McGregor Moore city now. Good evening, Miss Puddleduck. Keep your pitchfork to yourself. Oh my, I was quite worried for Peter Rabbit's fluffy little behind when McGregor showed up. Uh, an element of peril, actually, that I haven't seen in your works before. Yes, and it's a layered peril because it's a peril of the soul, a peril of uh, the ego as well, because obviously he doesn't want to lose face in front of Jemima. No. And all his associates in the speakeasy, he's got to seem like he has the grit. And of course, he also is in peril because McGregor Mole is a dangerous creature, you know? He's been known to shoot a parrot in the face. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It felt like quite a transition moment when we see Peter Rabbit go to see Patsy Patrick Rabbit in jail mm. and we see them have a, a brotherly heart to heart. Yes. And actually, that raises yeah. the stakes for me. I care. I want Patsy to be free. I want his name cleared. And I think, my God, you've got to do this, Peter. And it was a very tender moment, mm. actually. Yeah, yeah. Because for so long, Peter suspected that he left because he didn't care. But the truth is, he actually went to better himself. He went there in the hopes of, you know, starting his American dream, making something of himself, something that his brother would be proud of. And... I think it takes this reunion, this, this, this dark moment in their relationship for them to finally understand just how much they respect one another. It's beautiful. It's, it's really beautiful. It's made me think about reconnecting with my sister who's been in jail for quite some time. And, well, maybe, maybe I might. Maybe I might. Let's cut to that scene now. Look, Peter. I know you didn't want to come here. I know you thought long and hard about letting me rot in this cell. But let me just tell you, New York isn't like they say it is back home. The streets aren't paved with carrots. And when old McGregor packed up his farm, I mean, there just wasn't enough space for the both of us. You got Jemima. And what did I have? Patsy, I, I never realised you felt like that. I thought you stropping off to New York was... Just another one of your big ideas. I have to admit I resented you when you left. All those long nights reassuring, Mopsy, Cottontail, Flopsy. They sobbed, they missed you. You're right. We let Jemima come in between us and we shouldn't have. We should never have let a woman come in between a brotherhood. I'm happy to come wherever you like. Jemima, this is not the time, please. Look, Patsy, I vow on my ears, my tail, and my patellas, that I will find the true culprit of the murder of Starfish, and I will let them rot in jail instead of you. Just remember to follow the feathers. That's all I know. Follow the feathers. Mr. Rabbit, your time is up. Oh, ra just one more, one more moment, please. That, that clue is so cryptic. Mr. Rabbit, please. Patsy, don't worry. I'm gonna get you out of here. Follow the feathers, eh? And uh, that's where we see my beau, Mr. Percy Pigeon, make his return. 
Yes, yes. And um, I thought it was very important at this point, as, as strong a character as Jemima is, it wasn't pa passing the Bechdel test. Mm -hmm. And I was ashamed by that. So this is partly why we decided to bring in Mary Magpie, Percy's old beau sort of secretary well she was a secretary she moved up she's her own type of detective now and you know they pair off and I just I thought it'd be good to have another strong female character in this for Jemima to sort of bounce off of and you know really connect with rather than just being a, a sexual sexual being and of course she is part of the feathers Mary Magpie she knows where to lead them Absolutely, and, and I've long felt that Jemima Pumduck is no side chick. She's a main chick. Oh, yeah, yeah. And actually, we see, we see Peter Rabbit and Percy Pigeon take one line of inquiry, and we see Jemima and Mary Magpie take another. Mm. And it's, uh, it's a race to find out who is the better detective. Mm. And actually, we see, we see a little bit of a standoff between these two pairings. Yes! Let's cut to... It's nice that you've offered to help us out, girls, but really, we don't need you endangering yourselves. Please, take a load off. Perhaps go to Macy's or another department store. Leave the proper work to the men. Listen to me. I'm a magpie. I like solving crimes and shiny things. And don't you forget it. You boys just stand there with your carrots in your hands, but you ain't gonna have nothing to shove it in. Very well. If this is your line of inquiry, then please, by all means. Why don't you follow your feathers, we'll follow ours, and we'll meet at Steve the Spider's speakeasy in a matter of one and a half days, just hours before Patsy goes on trial. If you manage to somehow stop painting your talons long enough, then perhaps you might be able to sniff out something useful. Come on, Percy, let's investigate the sewers. Well, you better get hopping. I don't mind telling you I've left many a man with a carrot in his hand and I've never regretted it. Oh, yes. I really felt, I felt, hang on a minute, she's completely revamped the film noir genre and now we've got the femme fatale who is leading the investigation and I was really behind Jemima and Mary and they found something out very interesting, didn't they? Yes, and of course, they had to, they had to meet their mark at the top of the Empire State Building. Iconic, iconic. Yes. And, and uttered that iconic line, they go low and we go high. We've got Peter in the sewers and we've got Jemima and Mary on the Empire State Building. And they meet, they meet an unlikely source who tells them exactly what happened to Sally Starfish. Look, I realize most people just think of me as an innocent crocodile. Not many people understand that when you're mostly submerged in water, just having to put your eyes and your nostrils out of the top, you can sense and smell and see a lot of things that just ain't right in this city. There's a reason crocodilians have survived for millions of years. I saw McGregor Mall burrow into Starfish's office. I saw him lift a shovel behind her and I saw him dissect all of her limbs and put them out in concrete and throw them in different parts of the New York Harbour. But you must promise me 
you won't tell anybody where this testimony came from. Miss Puddleduck, Miss Magpie, please. My scales are on the line. Oh, I won't tell anybody, but say hello to Starfish for me. No! Now, Miss Magpie, don't you move a feather. Where'd you think I got all the money for these bonnets from? And you know, she told us right at the very beginning, if you cross me, I will stab you in the back. And it was there, plain as day, what Jemima really was. She told us, but we were beguiled by breasts and thigh and feathers and bonnets. Mm -hmm. We were hoodwinked and we were foolish to trust Jemima. Indeed, and that's the whole reason that she stuck with Magpie. She knew that Mary Magpie would solve it. She knew that she was the stronger detective. So she stuck by her and she thought, she's, she's getting too close, too close. And that's where she ended it. But of course, that wasn't the end. No, because of course, Peter Rabbit, poor Peter Rabbit and Percy Pigeon, They've got no idea scrabbling around in the sewers. That's not where crocodiles are. Crocodiles are at the top of the Empire State Building. Love sightseeing. They really do. Exactly. So we have this moment where Peter confesses to Jemima that he's no closer to freeing his brother. And we see some stellar acting from Jemima Puddle Duck, don't we? Oh, cold hard bitch. I have to be honest with you, Jemima. We trawled through those sewers for hours. The number of goldfish we found is unspeakable, but I'm no closer to clearing my brother's name. Jemima, I'm going to need to ask for your help. You're the only duck I've ever let see my heart, and will you help me, please? Oh, so now you need my help. I've spent... Six years listening to you ride in the main car of the motorbike, have the top end of the carrot, and I ruffle your feathers. And it's only when you hit a brick wall that you think you need my help. Well, maybe you should have looked around. You should have asked my opinion occasionally instead of just telling me what to do, who to sit next to, and who I get to give my attention to. Well, I'm not going to do it anymore. Uh, Jemima, please, what are you saying? I'm saying it was me all along. When I saw the injustice done back home, you stealing all his vegetables, I couldn't help but be moved by McGregor. No. And I thought, there's a real man. There's a man who can satisfy me on an intellectual level, who has a good heart, who can actually do something, not just stealing, Peter. No. Not just stealing. No. You don't mean... You haven't... Nobody move! This is the NYPD, and this is a bust! Jemima, what have you done? Mr. Rabbit, come downtown. We've got a couple of questions for you regarding the murder of Miss Starfish. Jemima, Jemima, please. Jemima! Jemima! And that's who framed Peter Rabbit. Wow, what a film, what an endeavor. Meredith, 
I mean, you must be delighted with it. I really am. And if I may, I would really love to give you, on this show, Martina, a, a scoop. <gasps> I love a scoop. We are already working on the sequel. No. Yeah. What is it? What is it? Well, still very much a working title. It's called Two Rabbits and a Clink, A Hair-Raising Endeavour. Oh, my. Two rabbits in the clink, a hair-raising endeavour. Do you have a trailer? Uh, yes, I do. I do. <gasps> there's, there's, this is just for you. It's an exclusive. It's an exclusive. Yes. Um, shall I play it now? Please do. Okay, here we go. Peter Rabbit was a fluffy drink of water. I didn't think much of him the first time I saw him. But as the years went by... I realized maybe I was wrong. I would like to suggest something. Each of you inmates, next time we go to the cafeteria, tuck a spoon somewhere. If you can't get a spoon, perhaps a strangely shaped carrot. Hurry them to my cell. I have a poster of a duck I used to know. And she's our way out. From the makers of Who Framed Peter Rabbit comes an all-new hair-raising experience as one beloved children's character and a whole host of animal menagerie inmates try to make their way out of a corrupt criminal system. I'm the warthog of this prison and you ain't going nowhere! Starring Tom Cruise! Yeah, that's a great idea, Peter. Maybe we can all get out together. And... Joseph Gordon-Levitt! Yeah. Two rabbits in the clink. A hair-raising experience. Coming to cinemas and all good cabbage patches this fall. I can't wait, Meredith. I really can't wait. Yes. It's good. I, I will make sure to get your invitation post-haste for the premiere. Um, which will be which will be at my house. On the estate. <gasps> on the estate. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Meredith. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? Yes. I'd like to hark back to the quotation you used at the beginning about leading and following. And uh, really, you can lead your movie to Meredith Mountain, or you can bring the mountain to the movie, which basically means hire me. I need more work. Anyone would be lucky to have you. Meredith, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I look forward to heading over to Rowena Rose right now for a good patella bashing. Oh, lovely. Let's go. Hurrah! Huzzah! The Improvised Movie Director podcast featured Sabrina Luisi as Martina Minow with resident improvisers Vicky Hawley and Rory Vieira. With special thanks to this week's guest, Charlie Vero-Martin. IMDP is produced and edited by Steve Tanner. Theme music by Matt Brown and Johnny Griffiths. Episode artwork by Marty Sears. Additional music by Stan Babich. Follow us at Improv Movie Pod for updates on future episodes and live shows. Improvised Movie Director Podcast is a four-foot-one-films production. 